explained and the videos have already explained significant amounts of uh, detail relating to Christ Central. The Christ Central network is the network of churches that we are part of, uh, part of the New Frontiers family of churches. Uh, and the local outworking of that is our Christ Central Shropshire churches, which um, you will be aware of. Uh, Graham Anz is part of uh, Jeremy Simkin's core team, and we're absolutely delighted. He's becoming a great friend to the church, and we're delighted that Graham's with us this morning uh, and is able to serve us in such a way and to come and speak to us. I wonder if we could give Graham a very warm welcome as he comes. Good morning. Happy New Year to everyone. We were having a discussion before the meeting started as to how late in the year it is before you have to stop saying Happy New Year uh, to people. But I think the 13th is okay. And uh, I haven't said it to most of you before, so we're fine. We're good. Great to uh, see the video of Devoted. It is a great, it's a great thing to go to, partly because you just meet so many other people from other nations from our own nation to hear so many stories of what God is doing around the world. We've had some fantastic stories of healing that have come out of last year, both physical healing but also mental health healing. And I do believe that God is calling us as a group of churches to push into perhaps areas in the past that we've considered a bit risky or a bit taboo, but actually God is saying, no, I want you to ask me. I want you to ask me for my healing. And so it's just great to get story after story back from that event, and I would encourage you to come, encourage you to book in. It'd be great to see you. Okay, let's, before we get going, let's, let's ask God just to come and to speak to us. Father, we thank you for the presence of your spirit here amongst us this morning. We thank you, Lord, how what a privilege it is just to draw near to you in worship, just to feel your presence. And so, Lord, we, we say, Lord, keep speaking to us. Lord, continue with us in your presence this morning, speaking to our hearts. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we get into God's word, I want to just briefly touch on my involvement with, with Barnabas, as Terry was alluding to there. A number of months ago now, the, the Barnabas elders asked Jeremy and his team to help them sort of review and develop their leadership structures and their practice, the oversight of all the things that go on here and the future direction of you guys as a church. And as a member of his team, and someone who's sort of done this sort of thing a number of times before, Jeremy asked me if I would do that, simply because he was not available. And so since September in particular, I've been leading the elders through that process, and I've been involving the core team and the directors and other leaders in the church. Some of you will know, obviously, you've been involved in that through that process. So some of you will have seen me turn up at the church offices on a semi-regular basis. One or two of you will have seen me sitting at the back on a Sunday every now and again. And uh, you'll continue to see me every now and again. And even when this process is through, I'm hoping that Ash will have the time to remain involved with you, remain involved with your leaders. They're all friends, and it's a privilege to be involved with them. See, this church is a great example of the grace of God. It's a great example of the grace of God. It has significant impact in the town. It has significant impact in Shropshire, across Christ Central, and in the nations. I wonder how often you guys celebrate that. 
together. It's very easy to get locked into daily life, isn't it? And yet you have big impacts. And I believe that God has more things and greater things for you to be involved in. And so just to be involved with you guys is a, is a great thing. Ephesians 4 says this, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, the primary role of leadership in the church is to challenge and equip and develop and release us, all of us, for works of service so that we build the church, so that we attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And today we're going to touch on some aspects of works of service. We're going to touch on building the church and how that relates to the fullness of Christ in us, but also the fullness of us in the world. Whenever I look at God's word, I always ask myself three questions. I want to recommend these to you. I think they'll be on the screen Where does this text or this story fit in God's big picture or God's plan? What does the text or the story reveal about God, about his character, his heart or his purpose? And how does it challenge me and equip me? And I find this very helpful when I read my daily reading in the morning. I find it helpful to ask these questions. I want us to bear these in mind as we go through this morning. What is God's eternal plan? Well, God created man in his image. And he commanded him to rule over the whole earth. To be fruitful, to multiply, and to fill the earth. That was God's command in Genesis 1. And sometime after the fall of Adam and Eve, God, in his grace, chose Abraham. And in Genesis 12, God makes him a promise. And he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then in prophesying about Jesus, Isaiah said, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. You see, through Jesus, a great nation, righteous by faith like Abraham, would be raised up to bless all the people on the earth. God's plan from Adam and Eve through Abraham and the prophets and ultimately in Jesus is to fill the earth with the rule and the glory of God. It's to fill the earth and we were singing about that this morning. And Ephesians 1, Paul writes, he says, Pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as his mighty strength which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name. That is invoked not only in the present age, but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. 
See, Jesus has been appointed to be head over everything, to rule over the heavenly realms and the earthly realms forever. And Jesus is to rule over and fill everything in every way. And we, as the church, we are the fullness of Christ. You and I, we are the fullness of Christ. And so we are called to fill everything in every way. The purpose of God is to send us individually and corporately as salt and light into the world. To fill the earth with God's glory. The church is God's agent to bring the kingdom of God into the world. And at the birth of the church in Acts 1, Jesus said, I will empower you and I will send you to the nations. In Acts chapter 2, at Pentecost, we read that the nations heard the wonders of God in their own language. You see, God loves the nations. And we are called to bless the nations. It's it's part of who we are. We are empowered to bless the nations. And that doesn't just mean the nations that are out there somewhere that we may or may not visit when we go on holiday. It's also the nations in our nation, the nations in our community, the nations in our workplaces. You see, we have a prophetic mandate to the nations. It doesn't matter what our politics is. It doesn't matter whether we voted for Brexit or against Brexit, we have a mandate to go to the nations. That's our mandate from God. And so from Acts 1 and Acts chapter 2, we come to Acts chapter 3, and we're going to read from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10 this morning. It should appear on the screens behind me. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gates, called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It's a great story, isn't it, of the mercy and the love and the power of God. See, Luke's Gospel, which perhaps was, we could call a prequel to the book of Acts, it began and it ended in the temple. And for the Jews, the temple was the place where heaven and earth met. It was the center of the promises of God. It was the focal point of their, their hope. And successive promise, uh, prophets had promised that God would return one day. And on that day, his promises would start to be fulfilled. But Jesus had come. And he, and he had come and he was said, I am the temple. I am the temple. Heaven and earth meet in Jesus. 
And so when God comes in power on the church, it was in an ordinary house. When the first recorded example of God moving in power occurred after Pentecost in this passage, it was outside the temple, not inside the temple. And the power of God came on a man who couldn't go right into the temple. He was shut out because he was lame. But Jesus, through Peter and John, come to him. And this is the kingdom of God. Heaven meets earth through the people of God. The followers of Jesus. Heaven meets earth through us in our daily lives. And so we're going to pick up three points from this story. They'll probably appear on the screen at some point behind me. We're going to pick up three points. And the first one is this. Engaging the world Truly seeing people. Do we truly see people? See, going to the temple was the disciples' regular routine. And the lame man was there every day. Every day they went to the temple, the lame man was there. It was his means of making a living. This story comes out of the day-to-day experience of the people involved in this. It was everyday, normal life. And there are echoes here of the parable of the Good Samaritan. We all know the story. The Good Samaritan, he's on his way somewhere, perhaps as part of business or perhaps for reasons of family. And on his journey, which can speak to us of the journey of life, he comes across a situation in front of him he wasn't expecting. This is life. This is, as Jesus said, a neighbour that needs the love of God. It's not a project. It's not something that the temple is running. It's life. It's life. And it's great to be involved in so many projects and there are so many going on in this church. But God brings us things in our lives, doesn't he? And Peter and John look straight at the man. And Luke uses this phrase a number of times in Luke and Acts. And it it speaks of fixing someone with our eyes. Of giving them our undivided attention. Of truly engaging with them as people. And being prepared to get involved in their life. I wonder, do we, do we have a reputation of getting involved in people's lives? It's great to hear stories, as Dave has just relayed to us, of talking to our neighbours and finding that someone in the workplace is already talking to that person. See, there are people involved in our lives every day. Whether they're in our street, whether they're in our workplace, whether they're in our family, God brings people And sometimes in the busyness of life, we we don't engage with people's lives. And yet God has called us to engage. And I wonder whether we have a reputation of engaging with people's lives. A reputation of engaging with what is happening in their life. Do people find it easy to talk to us about their lives? People won't always understand when we engage with them. They won't always get it. Sometimes they'll get the wrong end of the stick and reject us. But God's called us to get involved in people's lives. Many years ago, I was part of a a church planting team. We worked very hard to engage with our local community, praying for the sick, coming alongside people, helping them. We had a reputation in the town of helping people. But as we've just touched on, not everybody understands what we're about. And so on one occasion, we were told that this guy who lived at the top of the block of flats in the town we were working in 
wanted to see us because he'd heard about us. He'd heard about our reputation for helping people. And so two of us were volunteered to, to go and see this man. And so we go and knock on his door and he invites us in and he sits us in one of these really low sofas. And uh, you expect when you go in someone's house that they'll sit opposite you for a polite chat. Unfortunately, in this case, he stood over us. So we're sitting in this very low chair and he stands over us. And he said to us, I hear that you help people. Now, people have talked to me about you. He said, I, I, I wonder if you can help me. And we, and we said, oh, yes, yes, we can, we can definitely help you. And he says, well, he says, I hope you can. He said, I want someone's legs broken. <laughs> he said, and what's more, I'll pay you £100. So after the stunned silence, we tried to make excuses as to why breaking someone's legs didn't fit our criteria of helping people, as you might expect. And after a bit of blustering, he stopped us and he said, I understand, he said, that it's not enough money. He said, I'll offer you £200 to break their legs. Now, we did get out of, I'm not quite sure how he got out, but we did get out. He didn't put us off engaging with people's lives, actually, because that's what God's called us to. Sometimes things are going to happen to us in our lives, and they're funny afterwards. And... Sometimes people don't understand what we're about, but actually God's called us to be involved in people's lives. God's called us to have a reputation of engaging with people in our lives, in our workplaces, in our communities. And we can be too busy. And sometimes it's worth looking at our lives. And I know for us, we're very busy. We have very busy jobs. But actually, are we so busy in life that we don't engage with the people that God brings across our path? See, this is the love of God. Jesus saw people. And we've only got to read the Gospels and we understand that Jesus had an engagement with people. They saw that he loved them. They saw that he was interested in them, in their lives. And we can see so many examples of that in the Gospels. And we need to make room in our lives for people. Point number two, engaging the world, look at us. You see, it says the man saw them. He was aware of their presence. Perhaps he didn't look at them. Beggars often don't, do they? Even if uh, people gave them money, they wouldn't necessarily look at them or engage with them. And the people that we interact with on a daily basis, the community we live in, our society, perhaps our culture, they're not looking to us necessarily for anything. Our culture is not looking to the church for answers, actually. But what was Peter and John's demand of him? He said, look at us. Look at us. That is part of our calling. Look at us. Because they intend to challenge his expectations. This was not just about his need. This was about what they had to give. Jesus called us to be salt and light. The light of the world. The light set on a hill. See, we're called to be prophetic in our attitude and our lifestyle. In our character our actions, and our speech. We're called to be a prophetic provocation to the world. In other words, a prophetic provocation in our world, where we go on a Monday morning, when we're in our street. We're called to be a prophetic provocation to the people that we, that we meet. 
We're called to be people who don't let the culture and the ways of the world influence us. But instead for us to influence the culture that we're in. We're called to be radical revolutionaries with world-changing lives and a world-changing message. See, Paul was accused of turning the world upside down, wasn't he? I wonder whether actually we can be accused of that. As, a, as churches, that's what, that's what God's called us to. To turn the world upside down. I wonder whether our culture sees the church and it says, the church is turning the world upside down. Dean William Ng warned that the church which is married to the spirit of the age will be a widow in the next. The church which is married to the spirit of the age will be a widow in the next. We're married to Christ. We're married to Christ. We're not married to the world. And Jesus was and is countercultural. And we are countercultural. That's our lives. Does our following of Jesus mean that the people around us, the society around us, find that their, their belief systems, their vested interests, their pursuit of rights before responsibilities, their selfishness, their greed, their notions perhaps of love and justice, are they radically challenged because they know us? Because we're in town. Are they radically challenged because we exist? Do we look at the ways of our world and say, look at us. Look at us, we're the church. We have the answer. What messages and actions do people see? See, we're called to be prophets in our own generation. I want to read you a story Difficult to know how true this story is. But it is said that in the year 402 AD, a young monk called Telemachus felt called by God to head for Rome. Upon arriving in Rome, he was immediately caught up in a huge crowd and within a few moments he found himself deep in the seating area of the Roman Colosseum. And the gladiators lined up below the emperor's seat and yelled out, as always, we who are about to die salute you. And soon they pulled out their weapons and the brawl began just yards away from him. And the grotesque nature of the sport appalled him. Worse yet was the reactions of those around him. The spectators in bloodthirsty ecstasy over what they were seeing. He was sickened and shocked and in that, real, in that instant he realised it must stop. And from his seat he yelled out to the warriors, In the name of Jesus, stop. But no one heard. And without thinking, he jumped over the wall and into the battle arena. In the name of Jesus, stop, he yelled over and over again. And soon the gladiators were chasing him across the arena to the laughter of the crowd. And he ran and he dodged. And with each passing moment, his words grew clearer and louder. In the name of Jesus, stop. In the name of Jesus, stop. Eventually, the gladiators surrounded him. And when the dust cleared, there he lay with a sword in the centre of his chest and there was silence in the crowd. It was said in that moment, his words still echoed around the Colosseum, in the name of Jesus, stop. After what seemed like an eternity, one man got up from his seat and left in silence. Then another and another until everyone had got up from their seats and left and eventually the emperor and his guests followed suit. 
All because one man stood up and said, in the name of Jesus, stop. And this leads us on to our third point, engaging the world, giving what we have, Jesus. See, we have Jesus. See, Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. See, money and stuff, the disciples didn't really have any money and stuff because we read in Acts chapter 2 that even if they'd had money and stuff, they'd given it away. And as a church, they shared all that they had. And so money and stuff had stopped being of any importance to them and they discovered a new kind of life, a new kind of power. And so silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. The man perhaps was hoping for a few coins to help him buy enough food for that day, but what he got was Jesus. What he got was the power of Jesus. Get up in the name of Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't a substitute for money. Jesus was the answer for the man. And Jesus still is the answer for those around us. He's not a substitute perhaps for other things. No, he is the answer. He is the love and the power of God for those people who sit next to us in the office. He's the demonstration in our lives when we talk to our neighbour. He's the message. And we're salt and we're light. And I wonder how in your life, how in my life can we be salt and light? When we go into our college or our school or our factory or our farm or wherever else we work, how can we be salt and light? See, the power of God is already at work in you, Ephesians says, to do immeasurably more than you ask or think. Jackie Pullinger was a very ordinary girl, but one who has spent her life working with the poor and the destitute. Heroin, opium addicts in Hong Kong, many of you know her story. She has helped thousands to come off drugs through the power of the Holy Spirit. She has seen transformation in numerous lives and has made a huge impact in the city of Hong Kong. And she, she wrote this, I have spent over half my life in a dark place because I had a vision of another city ablaze with light. It was my dream. No more crying, no more death or pain. Where the sick are healed, where addicts are set free, where the hungry are filled, where there are families for orphans, homes for the homeless, and a new dignity for those who live in shame. I had no idea how to bring this about. But I imagined introducing the walled city people to the one who could change it all, Jesus. Jesus. She loved Jesus. She followed Jesus. She pointed people to Jesus and Jesus did the rest. Jesus did the rest. In the name of Jesus, stop. In the name of Jesus, get up. We are people of Jesus and we are called to have a prophetic message to our generation that says stop, but then also says get up in the power of Jesus. And sometimes our problem is is that we do have silver and gold. We do have stuff in our lives. Or perhaps your problem is that you don't feel good enough or that your circumstances are currently difficult or that your faith is weak 
or some other reason, fill in the blank. There are lots of reasons in our lives why we think God isn't going to use me. God isn't going to speak through me. God isn't going to touch the people I work with through me. And so things can get in the way of our faith and taking risks for faith. See, faith is risk. I wonder what you remember about the story of Gideon. What does Gideon say about himself? He says, my clan is the weakest in my tribe and I am the least in my family. That's how we think about ourselves, isn't it? My clan is the weakest and I'm the least. But God loves weak things. That's what the Bible says. That's why we're here. God's chosen us because we're weak. But God says, I will use weak people. See, God didn't disagree with Gideon's self-assessment. But God's assessment was based on his calling and his empowering. And so God says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go in the strength you have. Well, what was the strength Gideon had? Well, when God spoke to him, he was in a hole in the ground hiding. That's his strength. That's like us. That's like us. And God says to us, go in the strength that you have. William Carey was a pioneer missionary to India. Shortly after his arrival in 1793, his son died of dysentery and his wife had a mental breakdown from which he never recovered. For seven years, he failed to see a single convert for Christ. But after the first person was born again, a spiritual sluice gate was opened. And by the time he died 34 years later, there were over half a million Indian believers in the region in which he was working. And among his papers was his own explanation after he died of his final success. And he said this, If anyone should think it worth his while to write my life, if he can give me credit for being a plodder, he will describe me justly. I can plod. I can persevere in any definite pursuit. To this, I owe everything. To this, I owe everything. See, we're not called to be Christian superstars. We're called to be spirit-empowered plodders. That's what God's called us to be. That's all we need to be. The main function of our lives as Christians is not to go to good meetings, although hopefully we do. The main function of being in community together is not to have our needs ministered to, although again, hopefully we do. The main function of our lives of being in community together is the kingdom of God to fill the earth with the rule and the glory of God. That's the function of our lives. That's why God's put you together in this community. So that you fill the earth with the glory and the rule of God. And the church is wherever we are. The church is where I go to work. It's where you go to work. It's where you live. That's the, it's wherever you are, the church is. And the kingdom of God breaking in to where to our society should mostly happen and be seen to happen where we are most of the time. And that isn't here, is it? It's out there where our lives happen. And so what the church is doing is mostly not about what programs our churches run or what events we put on. It's about what I'm doing. It's about what you're doing in our lives. It's about the people that we meet on a daily basis, the people whose lives that we are engaging with, and God says, you are to speak 
into that person's life because that's what I've called you to do. It's about following Jesus. I wonder, is your life of following Jesus just an assent to your beliefs? Or actually, if Jesus suddenly turned left one day, would you notice? Or perhaps he turned right. Or perhaps he doubled back on himself. Are we following, are we following Jesus? Or are we just giving assent to Jesus? So this building is, a, or used to be anyway, a TA hall, a place where people were trained, a place where people were prepared at some point in the future to fight or to do battle. And the truth is, is this place is still that. It's still that. It's still a place where people are trained for battle. It's still a place where people are released. It's still a place where people are sent for battle. But the battle's not in here, is it? The battle is out there. The battle is where we're called to be in our lives. Because we're called to be equipped for works of service. We're called to engage with the world. And to say to the world, look at us. Look at me. I have Jesus. See, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, I will give you. Whatever you ask in the name of Jesus, I'll give you. See, there's a great quote that says, the strength of a church does not lie in its seating capacity. And there is lots of seating capacity in here. It doesn't lie in its seating capacity, but in its sending capacity. The strength of a church does not lie in its seating capacity, but in its sending capacity. This is the purpose of our lives. This is the purpose of our community to be sent to fill the earth with the rule and the glory of God. Ask the band to come back, please. We're going to sing uh, before we finish. But we, before we do that, we're going we're to respond. We're going to pray together. See, we're called to persevere in a definite pursuit. We're called to fill the earth with the rule and the glory of God. We're called to go in the strength that we have. Not the strength we might have next month or next year, but the strength we have now. We're called to say, look at us. Look at us. It doesn't matter how weak we are. We've got Jesus. And so we can say to people, look at us. Jesus has done something in my life. We're called to say, in the name of Jesus, stop. Stop. In the name of Jesus, get up. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. I wonder, are you engaging the world in your plodding through life? Or are you just plodding? Are you pointing people to Jesus in your plodding? Or are you just plodding? Are you truly following Jesus? Or are you just plodding through life? If you are committed to the purpose of filling the earth with the rule and glory of God, I'd love to invite you to stand with me because we're going to pray together. We're going to pray together.
Lord, we recognise our weakness and our lack of faith. But Lord, you speak prophetically over us this morning and call us mighty warriors because Jesus is in us. Lord, and you call us to go in the strength that we have right now, this morning. You call us to be sent prophetically to our generation. And so, Lord, we cry out to you. We cry out to you as we stand this morning. We cry out to you, Lord, and we say, come. Come and fill us afresh in the Holy Spirit. Lord, give us eyes to see those around us. Lord, give us the time to invest in people's lives. Give us the willingness to be involved in people's lives, Lord, in the midst of the busyness of our own. Lord, you've given us the answer. The answer is Jesus. We pray for the opportunities, Lord, to say, look at us. Look at me. Not because of who I am, but I've got Jesus. Look at me. In the name of Jesus, get up. Lord, we lift our voices as we, in this church, look forward to Alpha. Lord, we say, will you come where we work? Will you come where we live? Will you come in this town, Lord, and move in power? Lord, we want to see lives changed. Hearts changed. We want stories of salvation. We want to see the glorious thing of people being baptised and being added into your church. And so we cry out to you, Lord, give me courage. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's lift up our voices together out loud and cry out to God for the friends. Let's, as we do it, let's think about who God is, has on our hearts. Let's think about who we live next door to, the people we've work next to and let's lift our voices together and cry out let's let's go for it let's say god will you come god god will you come come lord come lord on this town come lord on every workplace that is represented here every street that is represented here every sports club Every hobby that we're involved in with other people, Lord, you know those people. Lord, come. Come. Holy Spirit, come. You've called us to be prophets to our generation. You've called us to fill Shrewsbury with the rule and the glory of God. And Lord, we say, come. Come on us, Lord Jesus. Come on us, Lord Jesus, and go before us, Lord, and do it, and do it. Lord, we don't want to waste our lives. We don't want to get to the end of our lives and think about what could have been. We say, Lord, use me. Use me. Whether I'm just at the start of my life or near the end of my life, God, use me. You've got a purpose for me to fill the earth. Lord, do it. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Lord, I pray for power in this place. Holy Spirit, come just as we sing now and we finish. Lord, come on us. Come on us, Holy Spirit. 
and empower us afresh. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.